The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It's a bonus edition. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host of the, uh, I guess it's bi-daily. <laughs> That's a thing. Twice daily NFL podcast. We are just daily. Eight to ten episodes a week. Ten this week. And joining us on this bonus episode, the one, the only, David Sampson. David, what's going on, man? Hey, Will. How are you? Uh, I'm doing excellent. And uh, you should be doing well, too, because today is Thursday October 10th, which means I, I'm bad on dates and time and things like that, but that means it's the launch of your new CBS Sports podcast, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. I really like that title. Uh, you can find the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts right now. The first episode will be released Monday, October 14th, so go make sure you subscribe to that uh, at the moment. Uh, David has 18 years as the president of the Expos and the Marlins, so we'll be diving into some front office stuff uh, and, and perhaps... Uh, maybe we'll talk about another uh, another Miami team, uh, one with less success than than you guys had. Uh, first of all, though, tell me about the uh, the podcast and what the plan is for it. So the show is called Nothing Personal with David Sampson, and I'm basically going to give insight. I want to put every listener at the table where I was for 18 years and letting them understand what really goes on when there's a press conference, when there's a comment or a quote or a story or something going on in a trending sports story. I'm going to tell you what the real story behind the story is. We're going to have fun talking about all sorts of things every single day, and you can go right now and subscribe right now. Do it. Subscribe, then unsubscribe, then resubscribe. <laughs> keep doing that and keep listening because if you want some insight, you want to laugh, and you want to hear some interesting stories and some interesting takes by someone who's been in the room and not speculated on what that room is like, but I was in the room where it happens, and uh, come join me. It's nothing personal, Will. I promise you that. It's all business. It's like, uh, you know, it's like when you got a can of, like you got a can of, a, you know, got a can of manager. Sometimes you got to fire somebody, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, I, I thought it was, um, really interesting. I don't know if you've seen this, like, quasi viral clip of, of Jay Gruden, uh, doing his weekly radio or weekly video show, like the Jay Gruden coaches show or whatever, um, with Chris Cooley and, and a host. And, um, they, they came up with a segment called the Bob's Discount Furniture Hot Seat Challenge. Well, it turned out that after about six or seven weeks of doing the Bob's Furniture Hot Seat Challenge, that was a bad idea because Jay Gruden was actually on the hot seat. So Chris Cooley was like tongue-in-cheek calling it the Bob's Fur- Discount Furniture Regular Seat Challenge. And Gruden's like, listen, guys, it's professional sports. The hot seat happens. It's a hot seat. I don't worry about it. I mean, that's the reality, right? When you're when you're running a team, you are probably, unless you're in a constant period of success like the Patriots, you always have a name of guys that you're thinking about in case you have to fire someone, right? Yeah, there's always a list that you have. Just remember, every manager, every coach is hired to eventually be fired. And the reason is that obviously you've got someone like Popovich or, or Bill Belichick who stays with the team for long periods of time. But that's really the exception, not the rule. So we're always on the lookout. I got really good at interviewing managers because we did it <laughs> almost every year. And the way to get good at something is to just practice and keep practicing. It's hard to find a manager, especially this day and age, or a coach who works well with the front office 
not just in baseball, but also in football. And as for Gruden, let's face it, he was there way longer than I thought. He hit the over. When you're working for Snyder and you get partially into your sixth season, that's called the over, Will. Yeah, it is. I mean, he, I think he was the, I think he's the longest tenured head coach under Dan Snyder, which is really impressive considering that North Turner was there. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer, who lasted one year, was there. Uh, Joe Gibbs. I mean, Mike Shanahan. You're talking about some Hall of Fame coaches and Jay Gruden happened to be the guy who was there the longest. What do you think about a midseason firing like they did? I mean, they're, the, the Redskins are making history this year because they're the first ever team to be a uh, double-digit or a two-touchdown home dog one week and then a road favorite the next week. And in between those two games, they fired their head coach. Does that seem like a sensible approach to you? Welcome to the 2019 National Football League yeah, where right. you've got teams who are tanking. And when you tank in football, you, you're really tanking. You're making it so that you you really may not win a game. On the other hand, you're the Redskins. I have no idea. Maybe Snyder thought that they should have lost to the Patriots by fewer points. Maybe that was the game. But for me, I was laughing because was that really what convinced Snyder to fire Gruden? Was their performance against the Patriots? Was anything about that unexpected? Did they have some argument of sorts that would indicate that they decide after the game to fire him and then call him in? For a 5 a.m. Yeah. meeting, that is Bush League, Will. Okay, I was going to ask you that. When, like, if you would fire somebody, when would you – how would you do it? I mean, is it like a like – I a, certainly wouldn't wake up early to do it. I would do it at a time very convenient for me, <laughs> and that's not 5 a.m. I know. Like, if, if First of all, I wouldn't answer a text at 5 a.m. because I'd be asleep. But, like, if I got a text from my boss at 5 a.m. It's like, hey, can you hop on a call real quick? I'd be like – I'd text back and be like, if you're firing me, just tell me now, and I'm going to go back to sleep. Like, I don't I don't need to come in there at 5 a.m., Jack, to get fired. Like, I mean – Yeah, but you got to give in your key card. you got to give in your keys, your ID, your season tickets. I've gotten so many things handed to me by fired managers who we fired. They come in with all sorts of stuff. <laughs> they drop stuff from their office. I had a manager come in, like, with a crate that he already packed his crap up. So, I mean, you see it all, but I just don't get the 5 a.m. And, and the Redskins, the fact that they're a road favorite over the Dolphins, that is really more a commentary on the Dolphins mm. than it is on the Redskins. I want to ask you one more thing about the Redskins, and we'll get to the Dolphins in that matchup. But do you think it is indicative of the culture as a whole in Washington that, A, they would fire him at 5 a.m., and, B, that they would fire him, like you said, a, a, after a game that we knew they were going to lose. Like you were, go, you were a fourteen point or sixteen point dog at home to the best team in football. Of course, you're going to lose that game. But th then they set it up where it's like now Bill Callahan takes over and he's got not a free win, but the best chance they have at a free win in Miami. It's almost like the whole thing was designed to spite Jay Gruden, who I don't think has been like a bad soldier for this team. So that's a very uh, little known secret. When you fire a manager, you pay attention to the timing of it. You don't fire a manager when you're a team going into Houston to face Verlander or Cole. <laughs> you, right? You do it when you're facing a tanking team with, when your best pitcher is pitching. So all of our managers in season firings always happened when we had our number one starter going the next day. Really? Uh, or, or on an off day. So I get what the Redskins were doing there, but I think the key here, you know, he's had the team since 99. Five playoff appearances Daniel Snyder has overseen. I think he should stand up and be more like Jerry Jones, not less like Jerry Jones. Admit the fact that I'm the owner. I'm making the decisions. It's my team. And if you don't like it, I don't care. I'm going to be the GM. I'm going to be the president. I'm going to have my family working for me. Guess what? If you're honest about it, 
then what's the difference? But Snyder just hides. He has that security detail. We just saw today that people couldn't address him or look at him. Yeah, what is he, Madonna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you will like the the, the story that Andrew Brandt. I heard uh, I heard a clip of it tell on the Ross Tucker podcast was that like he had a buddy in in who was friend you know acquaintances with the with the Snyders and he took his uh, kids over to play with them and then when he went to pick them up he's like Dan thanks kids had a great time he's like please Mr Snyder would be better and it's like a fifty you're telling that to another fifty year old man I will never call a, a, a like a like I'm thirty I think I'm thirty eight thir- I'm thirty eight I would never call another thirty eight year old man like Mr. Smith, like, get out of town, pal. Whoever, what your first name is. Yeah, that's old school. When people, when I was running the Marlins, sometimes some of the younger interns would address me as Mr. Sampson. I would say, listen, I don't see my grandfather here, so I'm David. Oh, yeah. uh, That's D-A-V-I-D. There's no (laughs) M-I-S-T-E-R. And really, that's a sign of insecurity if Snyder's doing that. It's really not an indication that there's a level of respect that he wants or some sort of formality. To me, it's just a level of insecurity that manifests itself in the way he runs his entire franchise. I'm with you, and I don't think anything's going to change. The Dolphins are hoping to change things. I don't know if it starts this week. Maybe they want to lose this week. Who knows? Do you believe that they are actually tanking or are they just (laughs) stripping down stuff stripping down for assets well i wouldn't say they're stripping down for assets if you look at the deals they're collecting first round picks but like the fitzpatrick deal is the one that makes me wonder the most he was just drafted and he was supposed to be a guy you build around and you trade him for another pick and it wasn't a money savings there must have been something else going on like he didn't want to be there but even if a player doesn't want to be there that doesn't mean you trade him because you have to now hope you hit it with the first-round pick that they got back from the Steelers. So what the Dolphins are doing, I give them credit for trying something new because the Albert Einstein approach has not been working during Steve Ross's tenure, which is doing the same thing over and over again <laughs> and expecting different results. So now they're trying something different. We're calling it here in Miami. It's called Tank for Tua. The question is, are multiple teams tanking for Tua? And is Tua the one who can actually be a franchise quarterback that's a big weight to see in my mind. Yeah, I know it is. It is odd. Like we've seen, I think, two quarterbacks since I've been covering, or since I've been. I, mean, I guess, like, I don't count Elway because I was three when he was, you know, when he was drafted. But like Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, and they both went to the Colts. Of course, are they really the only two guys I think that were surefire enough to guarantee that they were a number one overall pick? And even, you know, there was a hot, hot take debate between Luck and RG three, and the same with uh, Peyton um, and uh, and. Ryan Leaf, and I just don't know that Tua is necessarily that guy. So, I mean, if you're the Dolphins, are you are you putting your locker room culture and your franchise culture at risk by doing this to try and get a quarterback that you don't know is going to be the guy? Yeah, what bothered me is you don't ever want to see your players going public and saying, I want to be traded, saying, I don't want to be here, questioning what the direction of the team is. You just don't want that, and that happened a bit with the Marlins. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. And you really need a coach in there to control that narrative and control the players and make sure there's a message from the head coach up through ownership and a head coach down through the the clubhouse and locker room. And I'm just not sure the Dolphins have that. But again, there's no guarantee. It's a lot like baseball. Tanking to get the number one pick is no guarantee of anything in baseball. So it's really called rebuilding versus tanking. Mm. In football, the view is that getting the number one pick has an incremental difference over the number five, six, 18, or number 20 pick. And I'm not sure that's true. When you look at some of the greatest players in football, they're not all number one, one picks, one overall. So you have to be careful. You alienate a fan base. But on the other hand, if you do it right and it works, let's look at the Astros, right? They lost 100 games three years in a row. 
And tonight they're trying to get out of the LDS and make it to their second World Series and win their second World Series in three years. So they tanked and then won. It's just hard to know whether it's going to work. Yeah, and also the other thing with the with the Astros, I think that's a fascinating perspective. And Astro Ball is a, is a great book that people should check out if you haven't read it. But the Astros were ahead of the curve on this. They they realized that you could rebuild by acquiring a bunch of draft picks. Uh, they were ahead of the curve in scouting guys. And in baseball, if you, in my opinion, if you and I'm not a former, you know, front office guy, but I just, you know, just like baseball. But the, uh, you know, I think that in baseball, if you were able to develop young talent, you can have this wave, like a surge of players come up to the bigs that can propel you into a situation. You can develop that talent at the farm level. You can't do that in the NFL. If you draft 10 first round picks in a span of three years, that's great. But those guys have to learn on the fly in NFL games. And then in those three years, you're going to have to pay them new contracts anyway if they're good. So like you lose, you have the salary cap that you have to deal with, whereas the Astros could have all this young talent come up together through the minor leagues and then spring it on the uh, on the Major League Baseball. Does that make sense? It does what you're saying. However, what we try to do and what every team tries to do is stagger it because sure. what you're saying you don't want to have happen. Service time, right, right, right. Same year. You've got service time issues, which means that players start getting paid after beating the big leagues three years, significant money, and you lose control of your payroll really, really quickly if you do it that way. So the better teams are bringing up one or two guys each year, and then they have players who graduate. The Tampa Bay Rays are a great example of a team who does that. They trade guys too early, not too late, because they're forced to because of their payroll, which is number 30 in the league. What the Astros did right, and they didn't get everyone, they didn't get every pick right. They had a number one, one, uh, pitcher named, um, Mark Appel. Mark Apple, yeah. Or is it, is it Appel? I always thought it was Apple, but I, I pronounce everything uh, wrong. Yeah. You know the thing yeah. with names, Mark Appel, that's actually an artist. It could be, I think it is Appel, but either way, it doesn't matter because no one knows his name yeah. anymore. And because he never made it. So not every pick is going to work. We did a study where we looked at the first round drafts of every single team over the past decade. And you'd be surprised. You'd think the Astros would have the best record in, in their first round pick success, but they don't. There's a lot of exciting things that goes on lower in the draft in baseball. And football is different that way because they're drafted and they're expected to come in and immediately start at the quote unquote major league level. That's the difference. Uh, now I'm trying to find where Appel was he, was he, dra- what year was he drafted? It, it uh, is Appel. It's not even spelled it's, Apple. I'm just an idiot. The way I know when we won the World Series is I look at the ring, but every year melds together. I cannot remember. Mm, it was, was, I found it, I found it really cool. Oh, eight, maybe? It was the, uh, no, it was the 2000, he was originally drafted in 09, but then ended up going to college, I think, and then came out in 2013 and was drafted. And in fact, uh, drafted by the Astros ahead of, one pick ahead of Chris Bryant, who turned out to be a pretty good player, uh, at the major league level. Also in that, um, just to tie a little, not on it, uh, Tyler Bow on it, as it were, in, in that draft. Number nine overall to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, this guy named Austin Meadows, who, uh, the Rays just traded Chris Archer to the Pirates for, uh, Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now. Good job by you, Pirates. That was a great trade. Everything worked out fine for you. I mean, that's, but that's what the, you know, that's what the, that's what the Rays do smart, right? Um, get you out of here on this. What, uh, what kind of, what kind of stories do you have propped up for the opening uh, opening episode of the podcast? I feel like you know you gotta maybe bring a fastball and like some 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 never before heard story. So I love where your head's at, and what I like to do is we'll have a framework of trending stories that we're going to talk about every single day, Monday through Friday, on nothing personal. But what happens is there's no guests, there's no callers, it's just me with the listener. And these stories, I have such a backlog of stories in my brain that I'll be talking about a topic and then all of a sudden I'll say, this is exactly like when blank. 
So just as an example of a story, you've got the Daryl Morey situation with China and the NBA, <laughs> and it was reminiscent to me of going through when Ozzie Guillen uh, said some words about Fidel Castro. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Advanced. Yeah. But as I'm talking about the NBA China situation, all of a sudden I'm thinking about the Ozzie Guillen situation. So I don't want to plan too many stories. They just happen to come. Just picture an old man sitting around a campfire <laughs> talking to people about sort of stories in battle over 18 years. And it will be a lot of fun because I'll tell them all and I have no problem with that. I love it. Uh, by the way, just because I, I like to scroll through Wikipedia draft stuff and just look at like look at draft things. Uh, in that 2013 draft, 32nd overall, this kid named Aaron Judge. I don't know how he worked out. And uh, and then 124th overall, a reminder that this process is difficult. Cody Bellinger, I think he was okay as well. Uh, okay, so make sure and subscribe to Nothing Personal with David Sampson on Apple Podcasts. The feed is up now. You can get it. Pop it on in your little uh, purple app, and then you'll get the first episode when it drops. David, this is fun. Let's do it again, man. Hey, I look forward to it. Thank you, Will. Got it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.